What's going on, Orlando City fans? Welcome back to the Lions Blog Podcast after an extended one-week break. We did not actually record about the New York Red Bulls game. We come back to a 2-1 defeat to Inter-Miami, a uh, crushing, crushing late defeat after a late equalizer against New York Red Bulls as well. So it's been two back-to-back pretty disappointing games from Orlando City, especially in the last five minutes or so. Um, but we are still going to talk about it. We're going to talk about this one. We're not really going to pay attention to New York Red Bulls. Before we get started, though, I'd like to thank our sponsors. And the first up is, of course, Lose Bonsai, run by OC Twitter's very own Jonathan Ridner. Lose Bonsai offers the finest quality bonsai trees and products at the lowest possible prices. Speaking of prices, Lose Bonsai is currently offering 15% off to all Orlando City SC supporters. All you have to do is enter the code GOCITY in all caps, all one word, GOCITY, uh, at checkout, and the 15% discount will be added to your order. Again, the website is losebonsai.biz, L-O-U-S, bonsai.biz. Our other amazing sponsor is Cappy's Subs, of course. You can order over the phone at 407-647-9099 or online at cappysubsfl.com, all one word. They're located at 501 North Orlando Avenue in Maitland, Florida, not Winter Park. Make sure to leave a five-star review. We'll be reading them out in the podcast. Uh, with all that housekeeping out of the way now, Daniel, how are you doing today? Very good. How are you doing, boys? Good, good, good. Chase, how about yourself? Doing good. I'm not excited to talk about this game, but I'm excited to be back. I don't think I've been on one of these since like the Atlanta game or something like that. Been a while, yeah. We've all been busy with school and work and all that, so it's kind of why we took a, a week off. Um, and the whole crew is here. So, Adam, how are you doing today? Doing all right. I played uh, I played thirty six holes of disc golf this morning, so I'm very tired. Yeah, I feel that. Uh, I don't. I don't feel that one hundred percent because I'm busy my, and I don't. My legs feel that. <laughs> I feel. I, I, feel I can what tell you feeling. that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've felt that before, I should say. I don't feel it right now um, because I'm not really active anymore. I'm just a fat ass. Um, let's get into this game. That was depressing. That was like really morbid. <laughs> yeah, I I haven't gone on a run in like two months. It's been it's been bad, Daniel. It's been bad. Daniel, we're going to start with you as you are our resident tactician. Um, DK scores the first goal, um, does really well. Uh, beats his man with his <clears throat> physical powers uh, and strength and puts it under the goalkeeper's or in between the goalkeeper's legs and we go 1-0 up. But other than that, DK was pretty invisible, I would say, for the rest of the match. And that might be partly down to just our poor play overall and not having Pereira and all that. But also, I just think the system was wasn't working for him so how do you think we can systematically get dk more involved and what do you think dk should do individually to get himself more involved in the play because i mean he only he only attempted eight passes today or yesterday well i mean i'm looking at the goal again now i mean 
and the goal was is a is a symptom of of the of the game. Let's put it this way: that it was a long ball out the back, and that's what DK does. He uses his strength and pace, gets into the position, and, and gets a good goal. And you know, I thought he took it extremely well. A good striker takes his eye on the ball, you know, got in the box, puts it away, and, and you can't complain with that with DK. But the problem is, is that those those types of passes, those are what you call percentage soccer. Those those are only going to come off so many times, you know, per 10, 20, 30, 50 attempts, whatever you want to do. Um, and we would resorted far too much to it. And and when you put any player, and I don't even, unless the player is exceptional, you know, you're not going to get away with playing uh, back to front like that too often. You know, you're going to put the ball up, defenders are going to get smart to it, and they're going to snuff it out. And, and that's what happened with DK. He, he lost his presence throughout the match and for him to get more involved. I mean, I'm not sure there's much he could have really done other than dropping into, maybe dropping into midfield. But then I just don't think that's his, his game. You know, I think he's not really a, a false nine deep lying forward type. He's a, he's a target man and a target man needs the ball coming to him. Not, not for him to go looking for it. And, and the problem with this game lay in the midfield. Um, I don't really think there's much DK could have done, but you're right. He, his presence um, was was not to be felt really much after his goal. He kind of just disappeared. And and now this is kind of becoming a theme over the last couple of games, Adam. So I, I want to get your thoughts on just that in general. You know, DK kind of going in and out of games, and obviously he's been playing a lot of soccer. He's been playing a ton of minutes, a ton of minutes, um, because of just all the injuries we've had up front. And he he is our best striker for this system. So we're kind of dependent on him, but he can go in and out of games. So how do you think not only can we get him more involved in the game in general, but how can we get him involved in the game for more than, let's say, five minutes at a time? So first of all, he's a rookie and he's just going to be inconsistent because that's what rookies are. You know, that they have hot streaks, they have not so hot streaks within games even. They'll have 10 minutes on where they their natural talent takes over and they're, they're doing really well like DK will do. And then we'll have like 10, 20, 30 minutes where it's like, Oh, he's a rookie. He, he has this one trick he's relying on the defense figured it out. Yeah. So that's the first thing. There's nothing you can do about that other than just keep playing him through it. And he'll learn. Uh, the second thing you can do is play to his strengths. So what are his strengths? His strengths are obviously his physical prowess. And we saw that on the goal. That was one thing. Um, but his, I think where he's most technically strong is with his hold up play. And that's how you can really utilize him within the, the flow of the game much more. And the, the player that utilizes him most for his hold up play is Mauricio Pereira. And guess who's not playing? <laughs> Cause Pereira will take a ball from deep midfield, bring it up to the maybe center midfield or attacking midfield, find DK and I'll say, Hey, Daryl, keep this ball for five seconds while everyone's in a dead sprint to the final third and then find an outlet because he can do that. He's pretty good at it. But with really no one playing the 10, no one's looking for him like that because we're not trying to create much centrally right now. And if you're not creating much centrally, there's not much for your center forward to do. You know, I'm saying like he's he's basically camping out in the box and just waiting for crosses and and long balls at this point. And so 
I don't care who your forward is. It could be prime Zlatan Ibrahimovic. If that's what the job that you're giving them, they're totally relying on service. And just the service isn't great right now. So. Yeah. yeah. And and that kind of just lends itself to my next question uh, or a question. It wasn't going to be my next question, but like we can kind of hop over their goal. Their goal is just kind of a big bunch of bullshit, to be honest. The, the ball bounces around six times. It gets lucky. Those kind of goals just Robin, happen. baby, what is you doing? I don't really have a problem. You don't have a problem with him slices, kicking it towards our own goal. He slices the clearance. He uses the wrong foot. He uses the wrong foot. His foot is moving from away from our goal towards our goal. His foot is moving the wrong way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it's a mistake. It's and bad. I, it's it's bad. a bad mistake. I think he's, I don't know if he's trying to, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. It's dumb, but the, the goal itself is lucky all the way around. Um, I think we can hop over that. I think I have a, a list here of some things that I want to talk about. And one of them is, would this have been a good game to start Benji in if our tactics were going to be bypass the midfield and play long ball? Chase, what do you think about that? Instead of, you know, I know DK has been amazing. I know he scores in this game off of a long ball, but overall, I mean, this game, if, if that's going to be our tactics, Benji should be starting up front trying to get in behind if we're going to bypass the midfield. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, so like, do you mean like with a two-striker or with just no, Benji? just Benji. Uh, yeah, I mean, Benji's good to obviously get in behind. Like, that's something that I've kind of spoken about before. We all have, like, he has the pace to get in behind and then he can finish his chances. But, um, you know, the same thing with DK, uh, that we've been criticizing him is like he gets a little bit isolated and a lot of that is to do with Mauricio Pereira being out as Adam said like you know Nani will try to take on some of that creative kind of uh you know load and he he does it all himself and he's not really able to get DK as involved as we would like and there's just really nobody in the midfield who can do what Mauricio does like Mauricio oftentimes wouldn't get credited with you know a true assist he might get like the MLS assist but he'll be the player that you know, we'll collect the ball in a quick turn and right away, like, spring it out to a wide player and kind of keep the attack moving. And then, you know, we could find someone. Um, and, and and if there's no creativity coming from the midfield, you know, DK is going to be isolated. And, and if Benji is going to kind of be up there by himself with the ball in behind, it would have to be something like, you know, the goal that we saw with DK where he was just able to, get off the end of a long ball, which it wasn't luck. He was able to hold off the player, but, you know, it's not something that you want to be relying on. And that was really our only clear-cut chance of the game. Um, and unless, you know, Benji times his run and we get, like, a perfect ball through, which, once again, isn't something really consistent, I, I don't really think that he's going to be too effective if he's just there by himself. Um, because if there's ever really a time where he has to slow the game down and try to hold it up. Like that's just not his strength and he's going to lose possession probably a decent amount of time. And, you know, as quick as he is, like his ability to take on a man isn't necessarily hundred percent there yet. Like he, he can show it um, from time to time, particularly like with the Nashville goal where he did a lot of it himself, but it's just not something that he's going to do consistently. And with DK's strength, he is able to be up there by himself. And when the moment comes, he can kind of hold off a man and then, 
finish. Um, so I just don't think that Benji, if he is up there by himself, as isolated as DK has been, and, and DK wasn't really involved in this game at all. Like, I, I don't necessarily know if, you know, in that one goal-scoring chance that we had, like, if DK would have been able to hold off his man and finish, or, um, you know, if we just kind of only relied on that, we would have had much better opportunities going forward because, you know, I put it out on Twitter, like, we need to have more than just one creative midfielder, especially if one of them, like, you know, Mauricio is above 30, and, you know, those players tend to get injured from time to time, and, um, you know, we're, we found ourselves in that situation in the previous four games, and even though we were able to continue our unbeaten run, you know, we only got three points from the past four games because all of them were draws, and we weren't really able to create consistent chances without Mauricio, and, um, yeah, just... Just if we expected to play the ball in behind to Benji, I, I think it would have worked even less than it did with DK. And it, it still wasn't that effective of a method with someone who is kind of a target forward. And maybe his specialty is to kind of have that ball lumped into him and either fight off a man and try to create a little chance for himself or allow play to, you know, come on to him as he holds it up, um, which is just not Benji's strength. The thing is, though, is if Benji's up top instead of DK, when you're playing over-the-top balls for someone to run onto, DK is never going to be a threat. He's just not fast enough. He doesn't get make the, 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 the best runs right now at his stage of his career. Benji, on the other hand, he does. He is a threat, and, and they have to counteract that. They will start dropping off. That leaves more space. So, to I me... Benji specifically is like a threat. Well, well, DK, hey, he he did kind of score off something that you're talking about. Like, that was where the one goal came. Like, he was able to hold off a man. And I think that his off-the-ball movement is actually, I don't know if it's underrated. Or I, I just think it's decent in general. But I think Benji is really good if we are maybe coming across the midfield and then we're able to slip him in behind. And, like, we really weren't doing much of that at all. Like, a lot of you know, this long ball kind of strategy that we did deploy, like I felt like it was coming from like the center backs, which, you know, Antonio Carlos was the one that assisted the goal. Like I just didn't think much was coming from the midfield, like junior a little bit, but like uh, if, if we're just kind of heaving the ball over and, and center backs are allowed to kind of get in position, like I just don't think Benji's going to be effective there. Like he's going to be way too isolated and, and have to bring the ball down and, and, and things like that. I just don't think it would work, but go ahead. Just just the way I see it, um, and I'll move to Daniel to get his thoughts on, on this specific topic, is that when you have a, a, a pacey striker and you're hitting balls over the top and he can get in behind, if he latches on to one or two of those, I'm not saying he's going to score, but the defense has to react to that. And, you know, they they have to understand that they can't just let him him get in behind because that one time that he gets in behind, he will get one-on-one in, on goal. They have to drop off. That leaves more space for players like Urso, who gets in between the lines sometimes, to get the ball and try and affect play. Now, obviously, we don't have Pereira to hit those those beautiful balls over the top. You you have to rely on Jansen and Carlos, and that's what we've been doing. It's been very frustrating because I, I honestly hate the long ball. I, I I hate it. I don't think it works that well. I, I think it's stupid, and I hate seeing it. And and, and I. I it just frustrates me. So, so Daniel, do you think there's an argument for maybe Benji, if we are going to deploy this specific way of playing, Benji should be starting? Or do you think, you know, DK scored in this game and, and we should stick with DK? Like, what do you, what do you think uh, on this t- topic? 
Uh, I got two responses for it, really. Um, the first is that if you're going to have to play Gavin, I, I absolutely detest the long ball. I it, it annoys me. <laughs> to, it's to just watch. like a negative way of playing. Like... It is, and I'm a little disappointed that that's what we're doing right now. Honestly, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of the coach. He's done a done a great job this season, but. It's a little red flag to me that you abandon your principles when farm starts to dip. Well, like, well I, I think he's doing it because Mauricio Pereira's out and we don't have that creative uh, force in, through the middle. No, that's a very good point. I mean, it's not, whole, it's not all his fault. It's just that no team can afford to be so dependent on one player. I think I've said this a few times, that this team without Pereira in it is 50% of the team. Mm-hmm. And it's... Right now, that looks like to be the case. And then you take Yuri away, and it's like when you take Yuri out. I mean, my plan B right now. Well, first of all, to answer your first question, yes, if you're going to play the ball long, then you need a Percy striker up there. I would probably play DK with Michelle, and and give at least give the defense two people to worry about. You know, Mm -hmm. that would be my first choice. My second would be to if we haven't got any wingers that are ready to start or whatever, or, or are not playing well. I mean. Surely there's a way we can we can change the formation a little bit. Um, I just, I didn't see anything from out wide yesterday. Um, it was so frustrating. We'll I that. mean, <laughs> I mean, I'll get shot down for saying this, but you could easily play the two guys up front. You could put Nanny in the hole behind the two, and you've got a creative player in that in that system. And then you've got three other central midfielders, and you could play a diamond. We've got attacking fullbacks. We have one very good one still in one who's still fit. We could have played a diamond yesterday with the lineup we had and probably gotten a little more creativity, a little more uh, passing fluency in the midfield, especially through the middle, and more players in, in, in areas where they can connect a little bit more, if, if that makes any sense to you. Uh, I think like we can, we can still play something similar to what we're used to playing, which is possession, you know, pass, a passing game. But to be resorting to the, to the long ball, I feel, is, is just very disappointing. And it's... it's, it's um, it's the type of thing that, you know, it's one-dimensional and, and teams can defend against it. And I don't know. It's just, just it was very disappointing to see. That was probably more disappointing to see yesterday than, than actually losing the game. Yeah, our, our play yesterday was, was just poor overall. It was, it was just mm-hmm. bad. It was just um, very negative, you know. Like, it wasn't a very positive style at all. And then you made the reference to, to Juan being isolated. And I know you're going to touch on this later on, but... You made the reference on Twitter and to him being isolated, and I completely and utterly agreed with you. I was like, yeah, there's just no players, there's no legs getting forward, there's no no connectivity. It's just really disappointing, you know? Yeah. Um, before we get on to that point, Adam, I know you didn't catch the whole game, and you, this might not be the best question for you, but but I do kind of want to talk about what, what Daniel was, was referencing with our wingers. I mean, Nani was dropping everywhere to try and get the ball, and, and Mueller was... Kind of similar to DK fading in and out of the match, but also when he got the ball wasn't effective at all. Um, how how do we get the wingers to like? Do you think it was just an individual thing? Do you think it was a, a product of the system we played? What was wrong with the wingers in, in this match specifically? They had a bad game. <laughs> so you think it's more individual? Uh, yeah, I think a little bit. Uh, I don't. I think we are all in agreement that the long ball tactics are not great, to put it kindly. And uh, 
when you're playing long ball, the wingers are the ones, unless you're putting those long balls out to the wings for them to run onto, which they did a couple times, but that's not the most effective use of long ball tactics. Um, so unless you're, that's going to be your main outlet and you have a guy like, um, like Liverpool do with, with Mane, who's just like, you know, blister down that edge and they can get down there and then hold it up like that. That's not, Nani's not running on the balls. The, the, I mean, he does, but it's not his game at this point in his career, and that's not the most effective use at him. You want him running at the defense and rather than trying to run past them. And and Chris is the same way. He's much more productive when he's running at the defense than, rather than trying to get on the end of a long ball. And so the, the tactics aren't fitting them at the moment. And yeah, I noticed that Juan seemed to be on an island every time he tried to make a forward run. He was even trying to invert his runs, which he he doesn't do as I I think he doesn't do as much as he should because inverted fullback runs can be very effective. But it's just he's usually making those wide combo runs, and there was just no one there for him to play those combos off of, and it was kind of infuriating. It's like, okay, Juan's there. Where's Mueller? Where's Mendez or Ursa, or whoever's on that right side, um, trying to play those combos with him to get him free? And then there, it seemed like when he did have someone to play off of, he he always beat his man, but it just wasn't there all the time. So that was very frustrating. I to me, it seems like I don't. I think it's a little good that we lost. Because I mean, I've personally gave up on the shield two weeks ago with the the string of draws. Like you're not going to win the shield on draws, uh, and so at, at this point, it's just keep top four, get a get a home playoff game. But they needed a wake up call that said, "Hey, waiting for the injured guys to get back isn't going to cut it." You know, it it's almost like they they think like, "Oh, Mauricio has a role, Uri has a role, Moutinho has a role. We can't fill that role. We just have to wait for them to come back." It's like Urso hasn't adjusted his game at all. You know, Mendez, he was out for a bit, but he came back and he hasn't adjusted his game. Like they're not trying to get forward more or, or like we said, we bypassed the midfield. Like there were three quality midfielders out there. Like, why are they okay with that? That, that, that's one of my questions is why didn't they say, Hey, we can play too. We can play this Tiki Taka too. It wasn't all just Uri. And, and, and try to play through the middle because we're sorely lacking any central attack. And, and it feels like that and the, the combo play was the identity of the team when they were playing really well. I think the announcers, as horrible as they are, were correct in the statement where Inter-Miami's press was giving us trouble. It's like, Orlando can't play out of the press. And it's like, damn, someone just really said that about us. That should be taken as a massive insult because that's what we do, or at least did. And so I it's on Pereja again to recognize a problem with his team and come up with a solution because it's not going to be magically solved with swapping out a midfielder for Uri and a, another one for Pereira because there's still nine other players on the team. And Nani honestly needs to be better, just straight up. So we saw it in the, I think it was the Red Bulls 3-1 victory we had a, a little bit of a, mo- a moment there of Mueller at attacking mid. Why do you think we haven't seen that tried since? I honestly don't know because it's something that I would do. Um, 
it doesn't really make sense not to at this moment because who else is going to like Nani's the only other one and he's he seems stuck in his left inside forward role and he's not moving from there. (laughs) (laughs) No matter what happens, he will play left inside forward. I understand Nani not getting moving move central because he's played on the wings his whole life and maybe the, the, the moving central wouldn't be as um productive as you might think with a player of his quality but Mueller, Mueller he played central it. in college he's played central for yeah. us plenty of times before he just played it like two weeks ago bit. yeah he played and it, it was good yeah he's been yeah. good when he's moved inside because it's let him get on the ball more run at defenders pick his head up look for a pass those are all strengths of his uh his decision making isn't the caliber that Pereira's is but you know, who else do we have at this moment other than Nani? And right. so I think if your scheme is going to rely that much on a central playmaker, you can't just forgo it and play long ball and then try to just, you know, imagine up whatever you can on the wings. That's not how this works. If your scheme relies on putting pressure on a defense through build up through the center, you need to generate that. You need to manufacture that somehow. And moving Chris Mueller inside is, is one of those ways. I would have liked to see Chris move inside, have one less midfielder, and start Benji on the wing and just send send Benji bombing forward at every chance you get. So at least if you're going to play long ball, then you have two targets and you have someone in the middle who can find them. You know? Yeah. Um. Now that you lay that out there, that sounds like something I really wish we would have seen. <laughs> Um, Chase, my next kind of moving on, moving on from, uh, the wingers talk chase, uh, the, the next kind of category I want to talk about, and this is just kind of overall in the game as well as just our poor second half. Um, I personally think, and this might sound useless to a lot of people, but Smith was a problem just for the fact that he was right footed. And so I think him forcing, the ball into the middle just because of his right footedness uh, was problematic for our, our some of our buildup. Cause we, there were moments in this game where we tried to build through our own possession instead of just hoof it long. But whenever it would go to Smith, he would go to the middle instead of firing it out to Nani, which would be the game plan. Obviously if you had a left footed player um, and actually one of the substitutions I was kind of waiting for Pereja to make in the second half was Miller for Smith. Um, and it never happened. And so I want to get your thoughts on that because Smith only passed, uh, here, let me, let me pull up the stats. I have them. Um, Smith only passed to Nani seven times, but he passed to Urso nine, Perea 11, and then inside to Janssen 12 times. So what do you think about, you know, bringing Miller on? And uh, for Smith to kind of help us attacking wise. Yeah, I, I mean, Kamal Miller maybe would provide like some more defensive solidity. And I know that it's not that's not what you're asking, but like I don't really think he'll add like a whole lot going forward either. And you know, we were like kind of praising Kyle Smith previously because I'm not I'm not talking going forward specifically him. I'm just talking about in our build up, our build up kind of got stagnated when it got to Smith because he had to put it back to where he got it from. Whereas Kamal Miller opens his body, passes it out left to Nani, and then 
that forces movement from Miami, and then you know we go from there. Yeah. Instead, he he puts it back where from the side it came from, and then we have to kind of horseshoe it. Yeah. So yeah, like like we were like, you know, saying that he was doing well previously, and I think a lot of that came from him just being able to be on his dominant foot on the right side and, and, and whip balls in and things like that. And I think that we get stats from the, the same like website, but uh, it, it's, I see here that like a lot of his attacking third passes because he had the most attacking third passes on our team, which in and of itself kind of speaks of a problem, but they were kind of towards the corner flag, maybe 290. So he was trying to go down the left side um, a decent amount, but I do get what you're saying where a lot of it was regressive, as was kind of the theme of the entire game. Um, I, I don't necessarily think that Kamal Miller kind of solves that issue. Like, I think both of them are fine players. And Kyle Smith, when he's played on the right, like, I think he is like a really good, a, a really decent attacking player and able to put in a good cross and, and to be a threat, which, you know, is a bit of what the system kind of calls for out of the fullbacks. But um, Kamal Miller, maybe he would do well maybe he would try to kind of advance the ball a little bit more which he is capable of but it, you know if if we look at just kind of this game as an isolated factor I guess like there was really nobody doing anything creatively and I kind of find it hard to believe that switching out Kyle Smith for Kamal Miller would have done much to improve that and you know I know you're not saying that that would be like kind of the key to unlocking everything and it's you know we kind of have to look at everything I guess but just you know, Kamal Miller is the type of play, player that will, you know, get the ball into his feet and shift it and, you know, maybe not cause too many issues. But I don't think he's overly dynamic outside of a few isolated inc incidences, particularly like the New York game recently. Um, but, yeah, I just don't think like, you know, with with the whole kind of uh, lack of creativity throughout the team, I don't think Kamal Miller honestly would have made much of a difference. Like if, if we're talking Zhao, which obviously he's injured. I think that maybe he could have done something because he can consistently kind of pick his head up and play advancing progressive passes um, that don't put us in danger and that can kind of, you know, advance the play and advance the ball and, and maybe kind of give us some attacking bite, maybe some creativity that we're sorely missing. But I just, yeah, you know, if we're, if we're looking at Kyle Smith or Kamal Miller for the left side, I don't think that either would have done a whole lot personally. Okay. Uh, and then, Daniel, my last kind of topic I wanted to, to touch on. Uh, before we talk about the last goal, um, was the move to the four four one one? I felt that was that this wasn't the right move. This wasn't the right game. That just overall, I felt that was that was wrong. And I say it's a four four one one. I know most of you are saying it. It was a four four two, Gavin. Um, it was a four four two in the fact that we had two strikers on the pitch in DK and Tesho, but. Tesho didn't really play furthest forward striker alongside DK. He was the one dropping in, trying to get the ball, um, and like almost like a, a false nine. You know, he was he was running around everywhere trying to get the ball. Or sorry, almost like an attacking mid, not like a false nine. Um, running around trying to get the ball everywhere, and then you know playing it off to somebody else. So for me, it was more of like four four one one with with Tesho as like the center forward, center attacking mid kind of. So I felt that move was wrong. What do you think we should have done instead, Daniel? Um, I don't, at that I don't point know. in the game as well. I, I at that add. point in the game, I mean, it was 
it was just not very good performance. I, I felt like whatever system we played, our, our central midfield just didn't get to grips with anything. Um, for me, it's not the system that was the problem. It was the um, the philosophy. You know, just keep the ball down on the on the field and keep it, possess it, play in some triangles and try and, and try and open up space that way. I mean, if we'd have kept the ball a bit better, Miami wouldn't have had that impetus coming forward. You know, and they put under pressure. Our players got frustrated. We got a couple of yellow cards. Um, keep the ball, possess it. You know, just try and try and play it safe. I mean, if you're gonna, you know, down your tools and, and at least just try and get out there with a point and do it because we didn't have enough to to get to get a win. Clearly, um, I, I didn't. I didn't think the change did anything really. I mean, it's not Tesho's role to play that deep. I noticed that when I was watching, and I'm just thinking like. You know, this is what you do when you're you're completely desperate and, and deprived. But maybe what 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 harm would it have been to put Alvarado in instead, and maybe like you've said, put Mueller into a central role? You know, um, couldn't we have tried that? If you if you're putting someone on the bench, I mean, at least they should be fit enough to to play ten, fifteen, twenty minutes. You would think. So I understand why Alvarado and Is weren't our first options. Not like, the first I mean, options, I, but, but or, like or just op- almost an option in general for Alvarado. Like I understand he's he's new here. He he needs to be bedded in, and I don't think I would have. I personally would have liked to see him. So so I know what you're saying. Uh, you know, throw him out there, just see like what he can do to help us this situation. But I also understand why he wasn't the one chosen. I get it, but look at your own club, you support in England or, or look at other teams you follow and, and how many new players they've brought in this past month and see how quickly they've gotten on the pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, that every other team can sign a player and, and put them in the game, even for 15, 20 minutes. Orlando seems to have this mentality where they have to wrap everybody up in bubble wrap. Like, like look at Pereira when he first signed. Um, he came in and he was an unused sub for like five or six games, I think, before he even got on, on the field and we were losing when he got on. It's like... I don't know, like, I get that you've got to bed the players in, but what, what better way to, to get the feet wet than, than to give them 15 minutes? Yeah. You know, give them mm-hmm. 15 minutes. We have two home games coming up, uh, right? I think we've got, I know, we've got Atlanta, then we've got Montreal. Atlanta, we've got the two then, home games. yeah, Montreal. So, look, you know, if you're going to put that player in, I mean, in my opinion, you put that player in away from home, give them 15 minutes, 20 minutes, let them get the, those sort of first kinks out of the system away from home so that when they're playing at home, they're not maybe they might feel a little more relaxed, you know, a little more confident, a bit more ready. And I don't know, I just it just seems very strange. Like, Orlando gets these signings and gets them in, and no one ever seems to be ready to play ever. It frustrates the hell out of me, to be quite honest, because I see other teams signing players from from completely different cultures and backgrounds, and they're able to, to bed them in and get them in right away. I mean... You know, it's just, it's a myth to me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I did also want to talk about, like Daniel mentioned earlier, Juan getting stranded. Um, I, like Daniel said, I sent out a tweet. Um, very, very frustrating that Juan would bomb up the right and then whoever was on the right at the time. So Benji did it once and then Mueller did it like four or five times. Um, we would just run away from him and let him, you know, take on a man or two and then put with a cross in and, Adam, do you think it's something we saw on on tape where it was like we don't trust Ben Sweat to like take care of Juan in a one v one situation, have Juan beat him, um, and then 
you know, put across in? Or do you think it's more of something that, what well, was it last game or or two games ago, Juan beat uh, a man in 1v1 and put the ball in and we scored off of it. Do you think it was like, okay, Juan has that ability to do that now. We've seen him do it in the past. Let's let him have a go and just get more bodies in the box. Why do you think the idea was run away from Juan and let him take on one or two players by himself? I honestly don't know because it was dumb. <laughs> it was so dumb. It was very dumb. Uh, if I don't even know if they did that intentionally. I think maybe because they were trying to play counterattack a little because they were getting the pants beat off of them. So once they start going long ball counterattack, they're like, oh, Juan has and he's running forward. Everyone get in the box right now because we're not going to have it for that long. He's going to put the cross in. Maybe it was a little bit of that. I don't think we would intentionally not play combos with Juan because those are some of the most deadly attacks that that he's involved in. So taking one of the biggest strengths of his game and just not using it is, like I said, dumb. And we shouldn't do that. So <laughs> I, I almost don't want to think that we did it intentionally. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. that would be so stupid. And hey, maybe... I mean, like, say he say he can beat players one one. Sure, that's a good added skill. Combo plays are still the most effective attack in soccer. Always has been, always will be. And so, why would you go away from that? So I I really hope it's not intentional, and I don't want to believe that it is. If it was intentional, why do you think it is more Ben Sweat or more Huan did it last game? He's done it before I think now. Maybe more confidence in Huan saying, hey, we're down. Like, prayer is not in. We're down. We need to crash the box. Um, you know, let Huan do his thing on the outside and hopefully he can get a cross in. That's the only reason that I could possibly think of. I think it because maybe they were trying to just overload the middle as a substitute for actually trying to play through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, that's the only thing I can think of. A- anything else is just no, you never judge your opponents on that. You, you never say like, especially if, okay, say, say it was because of Ben Sweat and say Ben Sweat is a, a weakness there. You attack him with more attacking pieces. You say Mueller and Juan go after Ben Sweat because there's no way he can handle that. And so it like, that really doesn't make sense to me. So like, and, and, in American football, if if there is a, a rookie corner who just got subbed in because uh, their their ace corner went out, you attack him with with all of your receivers. You you don't just send your best guy out there. You send your best guy out there, and then you run another one past him, and you run another one under him, and make him make that decision. And someone's gonna be open, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a frust it was just a frustrating night overall. Frustrating seeing that, and then Chase. Um, Another thing that pops to mind is kind of, again, what Daniel talked about with the Alvarado not being brought in, IS being brought in super late. Do you agree with that decision to not go with Alvarado, even though we had him presumably ready for us to play? Or uh, do you kind of understand it and say, let's give it let's give it one extra game. Let's uh, let's have him travel with the team, um, get get some chemistry uh, like but but let's not force him into into the game itself. Just bring him, put him on the bench, and then let him sit there and not use him as a uh, um, option. Yeah, I mean, 
it, it would be easier to kind of make that call if we were maybe a little bit more aware of like his fitness level and things like that, which just kind of the nature of the MLS, we don't have as much access to that as we do maybe like the Premier League, I guess. But, um, you know, Oscar obviously is a great manager and he'll be able to watch that game and see that we just didn't really have any attacking ideas like like at all. Like, you know, Nani would try to take on a man and, and then get up the field and, you know, then, then we would just kind of lose possession and, you know, Chris didn't really do anything. And DK is the type of player that has to be kind of a little bit brought into the game or at least have the ball fed into him. And, you know, that just wasn't really happening. So, um, really just, if you look at that, like Alvarado, no matter what, like I'm he was on the bench. I'm sure he was at at least a decent level of fitness. Like him coming on for 15 minutes couldn't have been any worse than what was going on on the field. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and and maybe it's a little bit hard to say this about Benji because, you know, if he does put that, you know, ball away, like I think it was like in the 90th minute and puts us up two one, we're saying how fantastic of a performance he has. And, and that's kind of how fickle I guess it is to have these like late, you know, attacking substitutions because it is really just defined by like one or two moments rather than an entire game. But Benji wasn't great and he fluffed his one real moment to kind of make a difference. And, you know... Alvarado, like from what we've seen, and, and if you look at his statistics, he can collect the ball and he can advance it by himself through a dribble, or he can play it into someone and kind of run off. And 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 he's someone who's here to prove himself, so he'll have that kind of added incentive to try to create something because we were creating nothing. And um, you know that that's just been an issue to an extent. Like like even when Mauricio wasn't injured, like we haven't been playing the same way we were maybe in the MLS's back tournament. We haven't been as creative. And, um, you know, if, if Alvarado is a player where that's his speciality, like it definitely just couldn't have hurt to kind of give him 15 minutes and, you know, maybe he won't fully understand all the nuances of the system, but, you know, I'm sure he's been playing the game for quite a long time. He knows how to be a winger and, and just kind of maybe giving or put him on the field with the, instructions i guess to just try to get involved in the game and, and and to make something happen and just see what he can do rather than just you know like daniel said maybe coddling players and trying to make sure that they are fully embedded before you even give him a chance like i don't think giving him a chance before you know he's fully familiar with all the players in the first team and, and the identity of our of our squad excuse me like i don't think those 15 minutes are going to hinder him as a player and you know, if we look at how poor we were on the day and, and even previously the past couple of games, like it, it couldn't have hurt. And really, it probably could have only helped, honestly. And, you know, with Ayas coming in in like the 90th minute or whatever, like that's just not enough time for a player to to get involved in a game, I feel like. So they should have both probably had some more time because they were attacking options and, and we had nothing going forward. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and anyone saying that like Alvarado might not have been brought on because maybe his defensive contribution wouldn't have been that much. Like when I did the podcast with Diego, where he he kind of made the point that Alvarado will press, Alvarado will help out on defense. So like that's because at the at the time when we would have brought him on, it would have been one one. So that that is a valid argument, but I think he would have been fine defensively. Uh, you stick him on the left or on the right, and. And you say, come back on defense, be a be a body, you know, make your tackles, make your interceptions, and, and then go forward and impact the game. So I don't think defensively it's really an argument either. I, I personally would have loved to see Alvarado in for 15 minutes, see what he could have done instead of leaving him on the bench. Um, 
And then finally, their goal. Um, Daniel, I think it's back to you. I mean, it, it's just a header off a corner. Uh, and Lewis Morgan's deliveries were dangerous all night long. Uh, like two two minutes before the corner even, uh, or like 30 seconds before the corner. It wasn't even that long. Um, you heard Oscar Pereja scream on the, on the on-field microphone, say no corners. And then uh, we kind of get forced into giving away a corner. And guess what happens? They score off of it. Uh, did you see anything wrong with the corner? Like maybe Galese coming out to punch it or any players not marking anybody or just like what was there anything wrong or is it just a standard corner goal? Well, the um, the fact that your coach is shouting no corners and we have a history of conceding late goals. I mean, that tells you enough. Even the coach knows it's a problem. So the goal is a good goal. It's a good header. It's a great delivery. Um, Morgan has got a, a great left foot. We've we've known this about him. You know, he's a very good player and someone that stood up very well in a good level before he came to MLS. You know, if you're going to keep giving opportunities to um, to Morgan, I mean, how many corners is it? Is it like ten or eleven corners or something? I think like it's that? eleven. Eleven corners. That's an insane amount of corners. I mean, with the way Orlando has historically defended, you know, and, uh, yeah, defense has been better this season, but you start to think. You know, now we've got issues with concentration big time because we've conceded so many late goals, and your defense is only as good as your as your weakest link. Our weakest link right now is concentration. So I don't know. It's just uh, it's just again, it, it comes down to to playing too too negatively and bring, letting all the pressure come at us and, um, and giving someone like Morgan an opportunity to put the ball in the box and. Yeah, I mean, you could you can always argue that it should have been defended better, the marking should have been closer, or Gacy could have done this, but every goal is always going to fall back to someone could have done something differently. In this I case, have, we just we just gave them too much pressure. We gave them too much opportunity to put pressure. Sorry, Adam, what were you saying? I have some opinions on the defending on this corner goal because I inspected sure. it closely. Okay. It was Zero. atrocious by pretty yeah. much everyone. The, I think the worst one was Junior Erzo, who stood by as three players ran past him towards the ball. Inter-Miami. So Morgan had been putting those corners in with those end swingers close to the goal the entire game. They knew exactly where that ball was going. Guess who had the most players in the area? It wasn't Orlando. Miami, in the, in the area where the goal was scored, had a 5-4 to four advantage. In the immediate vicinity of of where Gonzalez Pierce headed the ball, they had a three to two advantage. That is atrocious. I'm looking you at should, that now. And in you fact, should, there are five Orlando players standing on the back end of the of the the penalty box, nowhere near out of the plane. There are two Miami players holding them there. We have five on two in the back half of the box where we knew the ball wasn't going. Urso is standing around while three players run past him. Well, you got Miami five players crashed, to the run to the near post as well. Yeah, Miami crashed the, <laughs> the near post with five players. Mm-hmm. We they seem were to... so obvious where that ball was going to go. It almost looks and, too like if it wasn't going to be Gonzalez Perez, it was going to be like Breck Shea, like Breck Shea was yeah. as well. Like there yeah, was no Breck Shea like anything. merged half of his body with Leander Gonzalez Perez. They were that close together. And both of them were closer to the ball than any other Orlando defender. It, that's cannot happen on any corner let alone yeah, and i don't know if in stop time let, let, yeah let, i don't know if that's a 
I don't know if that's like a like if they're trying to do like some kind of zonal marking because it's it's Urso and and Desart. Oh, it's well. definitely like, zonal. It's it's a yeah. it's a hybrid. Um, I'm looking at it now as well. We have like two players who's, who are supposed to be man marking, but honestly, actually no, I think it is zonal because if Urso's man it's marking, a total zone. there's no way yeah. he he lets those people run past him. Just and this is the zone. problem with zone marking. Zone marking players run onto you. They have momentum. They get the ability to out jump you. Zonal, you're standing there. You're trying to jump with them. This is I've Arsenal have played zonal marking under Arsene Wenger until he left, and I hated it the whole time because zonal marking allows for corner goals way easier than a hybrid system of man marking zone marking. It's stupid. It is so stupid. And and this I'm just watching this goal over and over on repeat, and like I see your anger with it, Adam. Just like it, it's dumb, and it's kind of something we've seen that we haven't been able to. Um react in game to what the op- opposing team is doing on dead ball situations. If you remember the Portland game uh, in the final, they scored off of a corner to the back post, which is something they had done a couple times previous. No one, none of our players were on the back post. We had like six V one at the front post this game, all their corners, like you said, went to the front post. We didn't react and they score off of it. And we dropped two po- or uh, three points. We lose the game, Gavin. Um, so I understand, Adam, your kind of vitriol towards that that um, that goal. It was very bad. It like the first goal, yeah, mistakes happen. Robin Johnson had a really bad play, but it's still one individual mistake. On the it was like Galese could have gotten to it too, but he just didn't come out and punch it. It was close enough to him where he could have got it, and he's got the the first right to that ball. Yeah, but he's a, not good in those situations. We've seen him flap at balls before like that. Total lack of awareness by most of the team. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to Daniel's point of concentration um, and just overall bad decision-making there to not change our set-piece tactics halfway through the game when you see that they're not working. Um, let's do line up, lying down really quickly before heading into... Uh, part two, where we have like one or two questions. So, Daniel, you get to go first. What's your lion up? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> you want me oh, to come back to you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's there's not much really positive where you can tack, you know. Um, because I don't think many players show themselves in glory. So, no, I won't name a line up. All right, lying down. Anyone? Take your pick. No, I think, um, you know, seriousness. <laughs> Daniel, right. are you staging a formal protest against the segment? Against what? The segment? I, I am I'm actually segment. thinking, I'm actually starting to get annoyed with the segment, yeah, because I take compliments and criticism like I do in real life. Like, I don't pay attention to either of them because neither of them matter. You know, what really matters is what you have in front of you, you know? This is where you get to to look at individual games, individual play, and say, I liked this about this player. I but, didn't like this about this player. But I didn't like much, what I saw. I mean... You didn't like anything about any player? I anything? Liked... All right. I'll go for the obvious choice. I'll go for DK, because DK scored a very good goal with a very composed finish. Um, when he emptied his pockets this morning, I'm sure that, you know, he probably had that defender in his pocket again. But... <laughs> 
you know, but even then, that's only if you base it off the first 12 minutes of the match. You know, because after that, he didn't do an awful lot. It's not his fault. I mean, I'll praise DK. I'll give him the lineup just because I think he's put in a, a good shift in a difficult, demanding role. But, you know, I don't think anyone expected him to be as prominent mm-hmm. this season as he has. I think that he was maybe going to play 10, 15 games, most of them as a sub, and kind of easing his way in. Oh, given how Orlando City liked to bed new players and he would have got his debut at the age of 29. But, <laughs> um, but anyway, the lineup. I'll go for, I'll go for that. Um, I'll go for DK. He's, he, he's doing the best he can in a, in a difficult, you know, pressurised situation, you know? Yeah. All right, now give me something you didn't like that you saw from a player. From a, Can it be a player or can it be someone else? Uh, coach, player, referee, anything you want. Lying down is Oscar Pereira. Okay. Yeah. And that's and that's alludes to the point. I'm not criticizing Oscar's tenure in Orlando, so before Twitterverse goes mental. Um I'm not criticizing his whole tenure, but I feel like this game I think like I said, he, he abandoned his principles a little bit. And um, whether that's him or if his players just didn't do it, either way, I feel like just do what you've been doing this season that's been good, you know? When you start resorting to the to the more direct game, it's just it was like it was like watching watching last season, you know, mm-hmm. score yeah. and then try and defend and bunker. And I hate that mentality. The day before, I watched Leeds beat absolutely spank Aston Villa. I don't know if you saw that result. I did. But they absolutely destroyed Villa on Friday, and three 0 up in the ninety third minute, they were running forward, seven eight men bursting forward trying to get another goal. Now that's the mentality that you know, you want to see from your team, like you want to see them trying to win a game. You want to see them being aggressive. I feel like our team was so off the pace yesterday. Like even if we're going to lose, if we're going to lose, fine, but run yourselves into the ground. Like put the team under pressure, get in there, get, get onto the ball, like be brave, get onto the ball and try and do something with it. And if you're going to lose, at least lose putting your best foot forward, you know? We just didn't even look like that yesterday. We looked like... There were 50% of the team yesterday that we've been accustomed to seeing. And when we lost our, our balls, so to speak, we started knocking the ball on. And that's a sign that, you know, in my opinion, that you're just you're losing faith in your principles a little bit. And, and I'm hoping that Oscar's talking to his players and saying, look, you guys are not a bad team. You're not a terrible team. You're not going to be a terrible team this season, but you've got to keep doing what you're good at. Because you don't want another defeat on Wednesday with a below-up performance because then people will start to worry, and I think they'd have a right to do. All right, uh, Daniel, you have to go, correct? I do, unfortunately. Okay, so uh, you can sign off. Uh, have a great rest of your day or your night, and thank you for your contributions. Thank you, guys, and uh, good night, everybody. See you. Good night, Daniel. Good night. All right, Chase, your turn. Lion up or just one thing you liked from a player and then lion down? Yeah, I mean, thinking about this, I was going to probably go Antonio Carlos, but even that would have almost exclusively been for the assist and then maybe him not being absolutely dreadful for the entire game, you know what I'm saying? And (laughs) even if you look at the corner, though, like he was one of the guys where he lost his man and, it maybe didn't necessarily fall on his shoulders, but, you know, if Breck Shea got in the end of it, it would have been his fault, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and, and if you look at previous performances, I would still think that this one would be a little bit lower on his, you know, you know, for looking at 
his all-time Orlando City performances. This one is definitely not anywhere near the top. Um, but, I mean, he was the only other player that wasn't either actively bad or – whoa, my dog is hopping on me in my bed. But he's either um, – he wasn't either actively bad or, you know, just had no real effect on the game, like you could say with the wingers. Um, but for lying down, um, I think I'm going to – I think I'm probably going to go with Sebos Adam. Sorry. But uh I just he he was kind it's of Okay, symptom, I give you my uh, blessing. Yeah, he was he was a <laughs> symptom of kind of the midfield where you know, like I don't I don't want to sound like, you know, I think that these three players are bad, right? But if you look at Andreas Pereira, if you look at Sebos, if you look at Junior, like Junior maybe is the only one that isn't an out-and-out defensive midfielder, probably. Like, I think Andreas Perea maybe could kind of devolve into a, you know, more box-to-box style player as he gets a little bit older, but I still think he's best served kind of as a DM. And and Sebas, like, whether it's with Ecuador, you know, even, you know, as he profiles as kind of a European target, which we know he is, like, he definitely is a defensive mid. And, you know, Junior Urso is maybe a box-to-box player, but he's not creative at all. And, you know, that's just kind of the symptom of playing three of those type of players where none of them were effective whatsoever and 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 even still like we didn't really own the midfield in terms of just like gaining possession and, and and snuffing out any kind of a maybe attacks going forward which you would at least hope to when you look at this midfield trio and and he, Sevas also kind of lost the ball uh kind of in our own third a couple times not too many times and, and he just didn't really get on the ball and get too involved um and you know it was a little disappointing because I was actually kind of looking forward to seeing how Sebas would do against Blaise Matuidi because I think previously he's matched up against him really well. Um, but, you know, of course we had maybe closer to a full-strength lineup then. And, yeah, just he didn't really do too much. He lost the ball a bit, and I think he was overrun uh, or, or just maybe outplayed when you look at kind of the, you know, Rodolfo Pizarro, Blaise Matuidi. Even I thought Will Trapp had a decent game. And, and just all three of maybe our midfielders were, you know, the – outmatched i guess you would say and, and just Seb- sebastian was just you know one of them i guess yeah just he like many other players not his best day all right adam uh one thing you liked and then lying down i liked something yeah did you like anything um i thought juan was decent i guess yeah. I mean, he did the best he could. He uh, he managed to when he was able to play combo play. He he managed to pull it off pretty well. Uh, got into some decent positions. So I guess I'll I'll give him my lineup. Um, Junior Urso. Sorry, bud. You're the veteran, and uh, you've been around the game for a while, and you were in position to make a play on that corner, and you didn't. Uh, also. Uh, you let yourself be bypassed in the midfield. Why? I'm not sure. You're a good player. Have some pride. Stand up for yourself and say, hey, we're not doing this long ball shit. So uh, I think he failed as a leader of the midfield de facto since he's the he's the veteran there um, in letting them be taken out of the game like that. And he failed uh, in his individual duties uh, in both affecting the game didn't really do that and uh defending on the side piece so i think i think he had a bad game all right um for me one thing i liked lying up um i really liked how akindele did come into the game and look to make a difference 
Um, you know, he was trying to get on the ball. He he was high energy, high tempo, uh, looking to make something happen. Uh, he wasn't able to make anything happen, but he had a couple good moments. You know, he cut inside. I'm pretty sure he took a shot or, or tried to lay it off. I can't remember exactly. Uh, came deep and got the ball a couple times, and and overall was all over the place, and and really made sure that that he was seen as as an option there. So. I liked that about Akindele. I thought it was a, a good substitute appearance from him, even though he didn't impact the game. And then lying down, gosh, there's still so many options, but I've been kind of disappointed with Nani recently, and I've given him lying down before. Um, and just overall this season, we've definitely seen a decline in goal scoring and goal assisting, but also I think... In overall play, I've, I've said it before, I'll say it again, I think we are starting to see the, the decline of Nani. Um, and that's expected. He's an old player. Um, he's going to slow down, and, and he's still got a lot of minutes in his boots. But just this game, I, I think he was poor, and I think he's taking too many touches on the ball, and that's not helping our offense. Um, you know, sometimes you just need one, two touch, get it out your feet, let the ball do all the work. You, you uh, you don't have to always get take four or five, six touches, take on two players, and then try to try to make something happen that way. Because because most of the time it's not, and and almost all of the time it's not actually. Uh, you try to take on two players, even if you get past them, you've taken up too much time, and and there's another player coming, and you have to pass it backwards. So I I know it's his game style. I take the ball down, be patient with it, but it, it is getting a little frustrating seeing that from. From him, it, I, I think it's slowing down some of our attacks. So Nani's my lying down, um, and that is the end of part one. We have one or two questions to answer in part two, and then we will be out of your ears. So we'll catch you all right after this. back and the first kind of question topic comes from at florida underscore man 76 david of course he says losing is a part of football and losing to this lot sucks i find troublesome that we have scored the first 13 times we've surrendered points in seven of them uh adam i'll go to you do you see oc surrendering the host position so fourth place or worse dropping to the buy-in position no, uh, I I think as we get healthy, we'll stop dropping so many points. I mean, we got a pretty easy, I mean, we've had a pretty easy schedule, I know. But we got, I would I disagree think, with that. Eh, we I have mean, gone we, up against we've, teams we've that won are... the most. Dis- we won the most difficult part of the schedule, which was, I mean, we drew against um, Dallas, but we beat KC. That was, that was one of the most difficult games. I'd say all the teams we've played against, um, have been teams that are difficult to beat. They're not going to roll over and give you points. And I know that's most teams okay, in MLS. We're, but... we're not going to play Cincinnati every week. But honestly, and we play this this Red Bulls team, Inter Miami, Chicago, and Atlanta, Atlanta, like that's a compared to what some other teams are playing against. That's a really easy lineup. No, on on the stand, on the standings, yes. 
In reality, I don't think so. Maybe Atlanta, yeah, because they've just been a dumpster fire. But I think, you know, Inter Miami were always a team that were losing on the margins, and they they were able to take um just. What am I trying to say? They they were losing on the margins, but they were always a team capable of taking points fr- from us. Um, especially because we're a rivalry. They're at home. They're they're up for the game. Each um, game has been going into it. You look at it and you say Orlando City should win that game. Yeah, but that's almost every single game in, now. Because that's just the, where we The thing are. is, we haven't had one where you look at it and you're like, oh, that's a really tough game. Even Miami, who's probably the opponent that plays us toughest, you're like... You still think, oh, we should beat Miami because we should. And, I think so, I think the schedule looks easier than it actually is. That that that's just for me. I okay. think going to um, New York Red Bulls, you know, NYCFC, FC, going to FC Dallas, like those are those are tough games. Uh, anyway, oh, I forgot about NYC. So NYC is, is, in my opinion, since we played those two Western Conference teams, the only legitimately tough game that you could you kind of expect them to drop points a little bit. You know, that's the only one I think every other game has been, okay, you expect to come out with three and maybe you don't always do it, but at least you should do it with some of them. That being said, uh, Columbus is the only one left where it's, you know, it's going to be a brawl going in. We could dominate three out of the last four games. And so I think we'll take some of those. So I don't, I definitely don't see us dropping lower than six. Um, we shouldn't drop out of the top four, honestly. There's a bit of a points gap there, I think. Uh, anyone got that up right now? Uh, let me pull it up. I'm pretty sure we're still like five we have, points ahead. We're two points ahead of we're two points ahead of fifth, but we have a game in hand because of the Columbus game. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I think we should be able to to hold on to fourth. Honestly, that's a little bit of test for Pereja. If he can't hold on to fourth, I think there's something wrong there. I've I've been on this train for a few weeks now. Ever since the Shield basically became an impossibility. Um, fourth is kind of the minimum acceptable. As long as you stay in fourth, you can maintain the, hey, we had a good season. You need to get healthy. You need to get Moutinho back. You need to get Uri back. You need to get Pereira back. You need to get them all involved in the team. Because if you are going to rely on those guys to play roles, they need to be there to play those roles. You need to get Alvarado and Ayas involved in the team so that means getting the minutes next game and getting them starts within two games in my opinion and that just has to happen because they need to be integrated come playoff time there can't be any of this uh feeling out period where everado doesn't know who to pass to or, or who's going to be where or, or ios is looking for a ball that's not there or something uh, there can't ha- can't have that in the playoffs because that's how you lose one and done playoff games and so the goal for Oscar Preha needs to be get this machine humming going right into the playoffs and go on a hot streak because that's our it used to be our best chance at silver, now it's our only chance at silver. So yeah. To answer the question, I don't think we drop past four, definitely not past six. If we drop past six, that is an embarrassment. And uh they should be ashamed of themselves if they somehow do that. Uh, but that would require basically losing out or getting like two draws and two losses. So I don't think that will happen. Yeah, we are. So the team in seventh place is New York Red Bulls. They are currently eight points behind us. There's yeah, no, no, so we basically no. have to lose out for that to happen. <laughs> yes. Um, 
so we're not going to drop out of the buy-in or drop down to the buy-in. I personally don't see us getting out of fourth place. I would prefer third place. I would really, really prefer third. And that, that may come down to that Columbus game. Yeah, that Columbus I, game is going to end the season, right? I think so. It's November. Yeah, that, that'll be an interesting game, especially if that's for if that's for third place. That'll be. That'll be really cool. I think yeah. that's probably what's going to end up happening because, you know, sometimes sports, you just you just know that the drama is going to be there and that's a source of drama. And oh, okay. I just think it's, it's going to work out that way. It's so it go, it's home against Atlanta, away to Montreal, wherever they're playing, home to Columbus and then home to Nashville. Oh, it is. Oh. Yeah, I mean, that still could be like a de facto. Yeah, like, it, it will be. Probably. I mean, if you get three points up and then we get Nashville, you know. Yeah. Columbus play DC. Columbus play home against Philadelphia after they. No, Toronto was the team that just got spanked Ooh, by Philadelphia. So if, if they and then they play us and then they play home to Atlanta. So if they if they drop points at Philly, then I think that's that's a de facto third place game with us. Yeah, and, and Philly's looking unstoppable right now. Yeah, which is um, why we need to be unstoppable heading into the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Chase, you just got Valens. Yeah, LAFC. That's right, they did. Um, Chase, at VAD underscore A says, are we in a classic uh, for Poppy Poppy's team's mid-season slump? Um, well, yeah, I, I get where that question is coming from, particularly like the last four games where, you know, for a team that was on like a, 12 game unbeaten run we haven't really looked very impressive in the past couple games um i just think a lot of it has to do with just injuries catching up to us and particularly like you know it's it's never great to rely so much on one player but you know mauricio is like at least in the midfield like he is like really our entire kind of creative like firepower maybe it's not just him but he is like an important piece in the machine that we are you know what i'm saying so um you know i think a lot of it has just been you know mauricio being the straw that broke the camel's back and we really weren't able to get anything going forward and uh you know he's expected maybe to come back i think at the very least for playoffs maybe for the last you know game or two of the season so hopefully when he's back, we'll be looking like the team that we were at the MLS's back tournament and, you know, for most of this unbeaten run. Um, and, and I mean, maybe a little bit of it is just kind of a slump. Once you're, you know, on that type of run that we were where we haven't lost a game or anything like that, you're always at the danger, I feel like, of being undercut. And, you know, you can get a little bit complacent um, when you forget what it's like to lose and, you know, you got to bounce back, which is something that we haven't really had to do. You know, I'm talking about um, uh, and just I don't. Yeah, I don't think the slump. I just I think that we've just been really unfortunate with injuries. And, uh, you know, we didn't have really the proper depth to be able to account for it, particularly with Mauricio. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, this will be a, a way more interesting question. Uh, in my view, at least after maybe the next game or two, because, you know, this is a really important moment for us. We haven't lost in a very long time and, you know, great teams will respond well. And I like to think that we are a pretty good team, but, you know, this is maybe the biggest test of the season to an extent because, uh, you know, we very easily could just not respond well and, 
and you know even tying back to the previous question drop a couple points in the the playoff standings and there's just a lot of uncertainty right now because of you know the strength of our squad and, and coming off a loss and uh you know moving and looking towards that Columbus game so it's just we have to be able to bounce back I don't really think it's a slump right now but you know it could be the start of one for sure yeah so um this this question just comes from me uh I'm just interested to get your guys' thoughts on this so Adam you first do you think we see either do you think we see both Alvarado and IS start next game uh both come off the bench or one of them start if I had to guess, I would say both come off the bench. Um, I think, honestly, because we seem to just get players integrated so slowly, I think Alvarado will make a, a 10, 15 minute appearance, and then IS will be like a priority sub. Um, I would like to see them get more minutes than that, uh, just for the sake of, uh, you know, get them into the team, get some chemistry going. But yeah, I think, I think that's what we'll see. And uh, hopefully it, We'll see if um, if one of Pereira, uh, Moutinho, Uri come back because they'll also be in line to get those get those uh, warming up minutes too. So Oscar Pereja will hopefully be very busy on the touchline early in the second half come next week. All right, Chase, what do you think? Um, yeah, I. I think they are probably just going to come off the bench as well, but I do think that we see them at the very least. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't know if we – I know that we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but we don't necessarily integrate players in overly slowly. I definitely think with Mauricio, you know, it took a while, but he was coming off like six months off, and, you know, Ayas hasn't been cleared. And, and that was – well, I think it was a poor decision to not bring him on. That was just Alvarado's first appearance with us, but they are attacking players, and – um, outside of a couple inconsistent kind of lucky chances this game, we have not looked great going forward. So maybe a little bit of a change and, and some attacking, uh, some players looking to prove themselves and break into the squad coming off the bench is going to be a good thing for us. But yeah, unless they are blowing it out of the water in training, um, I see a, a pretty similar lineup, you know, fitness and all that willing, a pretty similar lineup to what we've seen in the past couple games. So I actually have a very sneaking su- suspicion that IS will start ahead of DK. Um, not because he DK has been bad or anything. I think Oscar will want to see how IS plays and he's been training for what a week and a half now, a week now. So um, he's just been, been in and around the squad longer, long enough to where, Maybe Oscar, you know, again, wants to see him and uh, he's been around long enough to start. So that's just a sneaking suspicion. I might be wrong, but uh, yeah, let's leave it at that. Um, Chase, where can our listeners find you at? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at VamosOCSC and on Instagram at ChaseWCrowley. Adam? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at KosherTacoTruck. You can find Daniel at Bucketman1982 on Twitter. You can find me at LionsBlog1. Direct all your hate mail to Daniel as he is not here and he had the worst takes on the pod today. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for listening. We will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.
Quickly here, Nani gets in behind. Here's Nani with a chip. It's 1-1. One, one. 